Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday morning service. Whether you're here in the building or you're watching online, it's great to have you with us. Um, if you're here as a newcomer or a visitor, it's uh, great to, to have you with us. And do please stay for um, refreshments afterwards. It'd be great to have that opportunity to get to know you over a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Well, last week was our Harvest um, Thanksgiving service. And thank you to all of you who brought gifts of food, which have gone to the Tame Food Bank, part of Sharing Life Trust. Um, there's also the opportunity to give to the Tear Fund Harvest Appeal, going to those uh, struggling in Burkina Faso. Uh, that is still open. If you still like to give to that, do follow the instructions on the, the weekly information email. Well, this morning we're continuing um, our sermon series entitled Real Change. Um, as we're seeking with the help of the Holy Spirit to change more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Uh, Last week we looked at the way uh, we respond to challenging situations in our life and what is driving us. In our hearts we all trust something, we all worship something or someone. And when that something or someone turns out not to be God, then that produces thorns or bad fruit. Well, this morning we're looking at how God changes us and the difference it makes when we put our trust in him and when we worship him. Um, Colossians 3 describes the change that takes place in the life of a Christian. Let me read from Colossians 3. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the change that Jesus has made possible in our lives through dying for our sins and rising again to life. And thank you that as we die with him, we die to our old way of life. And as we are raised with him, we rise to new life in him. A life that is focused on him and devoted to him. And we pray this morning that if uh, we are not yet Christians, that you would open our eyes to see the difference that Jesus can make in our lives. And if we are already believers, we pray that you would fill us with a greater excitement at our new life in Christ a greater desire to live all of our lives under his lordship and a greater trust and confidence in all that you are still to do in us out of your love for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God, one who keeps all his promises. We thank you for the promise of forgiveness for all those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. We thank you that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. And for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love for those who fear you. And we thank you that it is your love for us that has caused us to turn to you in repentance. But we are sorry for those times when we look back at where we've come from and feel enticed by the attractions of this life. Father, help us to keep focused on the far greater blessings to come that you have promised for those who are in Jesus. And Lord, as we think of those loved ones who have gone to be with you, we thank you for the 
the eternal bliss, the glory they are enjoying in your presence. We pray that will be an encouragement to us to stand firm in our faith as we grieve their loss. Father, we pray for our nation with all the current challenges we're facing, health concerns, price rises, supply shortages, climate change worries. Lord, we pray for the homeless. We pray for those being exploited and abused. Lord, we pray for our government, that they would seek to govern with integrity and compassion for the needy, and to trust not in human resources, but to seek your wisdom and your strength. We pray that as people see their own frailty, that they would turn to you. Father, we pray for our missionaries and lift up this morning Steve and Matilda Smith and their work with Bible translation. Do pray for those language teams. We pray for wisdom and clear minds for them and for Steve in his planning to typeset in two languages this November. We pray for Matilda. She keeps in touch with members on the mission field and prepares prayer notes. Father, we pray that you would uh, give them physical strength, enable them to both to sleep well, renew their energy so they may serve you with joy in their hearts. Father, we pray for our different ministries here in the church and ask your blessing on the ministry leaders and their teams. Thank you this morning for Ian and for all those involved in the tech team the skills you've given them to be used to facilitate gospel ministry. And we pray that you'll bring others into that team who are willing to, to serve you in that way. And we thank you that not only do those in the building here benefit from their ministry, but so do many at home unable to be here because of ill health or vulnerability. And we pray that through this ministry they would not only be able to worship you there in their homes, but would still feel connected to the church family. Father, we thank you for the safeguarding training yesterday and pray that we would take our responsibilities seriously to ensure the safety of every member of this church from the youngest to the oldest. And we thank you for providing us with the resources to carry out ministry in this church. We bring you our financial offerings after the wealth you have given us and pray they will be used wisely to glorify your name. And finally, bless Colin as he comes to speak to us shortly. Pray you would use him to point us to Jesus and find our joy and our hope in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before Colin does come up, Nathan's going to come and bring us our reading from Luke chapter 15, verse 11 onwards. Brilliant. Thank you. Do If you have a Bible, do open it. As Neil said, to Luke 15, uh, follow along or on your phone. That's fine too. Uh, the reading will be from Luke 15, 11 through to 32. Uh, and as Jesus tells the third parable of three, speaking into the tax collectors and sinners. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, 
set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, The elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. As we come to God's word together, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We pray that you would help us to, to quieten our hearts that we would focus on what you have to say to us this morning, Lord, that we would respond to it in faith and repentance, that we would be changed more into the image of your Son. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon series at the moment, as you'll see, is going through uh, the series called Real Change, something that we're going through in our home groups as well. If you're not part of a home group at the moment and you'd like to be, please do get in touch and we'll gladly connect you. This week we're looking at the parable of the lost son and thinking about, thinking about how we change. 
or indeed perhaps why we don't change. We'll see that we change through repentance and faith. We could define repentance and faith as a turning away. Turning away from sin in repentance and turning towards God in faith. It can also be understood to be a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. A change of mind that leads to a change of heart to a change of action. And it's not just a one-time event in becoming a Christian, but an ongoing process of repentance and faith throughout our lives as Christians. That we continually put off the old way of thinking and living and put on the new. So far in our series, we've seen how God has made us in his image. But our sinful rebellion against him fractured that. And so God in his love, he pursues us and changes us by his spirit. And then we saw how God uses our situations or our heat, as you see there at the top of the diagram with the sun, as a vehicle. He uses our situations as a vehicle to change us. And most recently we saw a couple of weeks ago uh, from the prophet Jeremiah that we often respond sinfully because of our sinful hearts, thus producing bad fruit or what might be called thorns. Through the passage this morning, we'll see the the two responses of the sons and how they either change in light of their repentance or don't change because of their lack. Underlying any change in any way is the love of God. That we would turn to him, that we would receive him, uh, because we would see him that he wouldn't punish us for our sins, but that he would gladly show us mercy and love in abundance. As we turn to him, then he will receive us. But if we don't turn to him, then we'll often just run from him. And as we look at the two responses of the two sons in the passage, we can ask ourselves the question, well, how do we respond when we sin? Do, do you respond like one of these three? Like a lost son? Like a legalistic son? Or like a loved son? So firstly, when we sin, do, do we respond like a lost son? As you look at verse 12 to 13, it says this. The younger one, that is the younger son, it said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. As we read these few verses, the the question that comes to mind is, well, what has to happen, what needs to happen for the son to receive his father's inheritance? No, the father has to die, doesn't he? The son is basically saying to his father, I don't want you. I want you dead and I want your money. It's a bit like if a dad had two sons today and one came up to him, demanded his inheritance, then the dad, maybe if the family had two cars, he would have to sell one of the cars and probably remortgage the house to cover the costs, to grant his son's request. And that's exactly what the father does in this. He does grant his his son's request, 
The son leaves and spends everything he had on wild living. The party scene. But it only leaves him empty. Empty and broken. And perhaps that's like people who who grew up in the church today. They taste the goodness of God and yet they are not satisfied with him. They only want the gifts of God and not a relationship with God. They love the benefits perhaps of being in a Christian community. And they only want the fruit of that rather than the fount that is the goodness of God. And as a younger son, he doesn't enjoy his father's presence. He runs away. But there's a problem, as you see from verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go back. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Only when the younger son realizes the error of his ways and his desperate need did he ever think about coming back to his father. As you see there in verse 16, he was so hungry and so desperate that he longed to eat the food of the pigs and he couldn't even eat that. He desired to dive into the filth of the pigs to survive. Now for some of us here today, sometimes God has to lead us to the end of ourselves before we realize our need of him. Sometimes we need to fall into the filth of our own sin to realize that we have rebelled against him and that we are in desperate need of his forgiveness. And so it's the case with a lost son who realizes his rebellion and he repents and turns back to his father's house. He turns from his sin and turns to his father saying, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Because friends, there is no sin, no sin that is unforgivable. We cannot sin ourselves out of God's love. If it's for the first time that we turn to him and receive him for the forgiveness of our sins or for the thousandth time that we turn to him, either way, he will receive us. And the more we turn to God in repentance and faith, the more he will change us into the image of his son, Jesus. As God will change us by his Holy Spirit working in us as we recognize our need. However, there is also the older brother's response. As we ask ourselves, are we responding to sin in our lives like a legalistic son? The older brother hears a party going on from verse 25, and on the return of his older brother, his younger brother, we see this response from verse 28. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. 
And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older son becomes angry and refuses to go in the house. He thinks it's so unfair because ultimately he sees his father as a harsh taskmaster, a tyrant to be obeyed rather than a father to be loved. Therefore, by doing his duties and making his various sacrificial services, then maybe one day, maybe one day, his father will reward him. Tim Keller in his book, Prodigal God, says, If you think goodness and decency is the way to merit a good life from God, you will be eaten up with anger, since life never goes the way that we wish. And friends, if this is your view of who you think God is, then you will only end up becoming a graceless, harsh, and even bitter person. Because God will always owe you something. As you look at the words of the older brother, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. He thinks God owes him something. It's a bit like the picture of a child in a supermarket with their mum. As they say, mummy, mummy, I want this. To which their mum says, no, sorry, honey, you can't have that. And the child responds, you never give me anything. And the mum thinks, well, just uh, food, shelter, clothing, love, and your life. (laughs) But yes, I haven't given you anything. And even for us, perhaps, the question for us is, is that really the cry of our hearts? That when things don't go the way we want, like, where's my promotion at work? Haven't I earned that after all I've done for you, Lord? Where's my Christian husband or wife? Haven't I earned that, Lord? Where, why is my body breaking? Haven't I, what have I done to deserve this? Why am I struggling at school, university, at work, at home, in my marriage? Haven't I done enough for you, Lord? And then there's the the jealous heart of the older brother as he looks to his younger brother. As he says, he asks, well, why why does he get the fattened calf? The one who slept with prostitutes and sold all your paid everything through the money that you gave him. He spent everything and you reward him with a fattened calf and I haven't even got a young goat to celebrate. Maybe that's for us in our inner thoughts. Why did, why did they get the promotion and I didn't? Why do they have such a happy family and mine seems like a mess? The older legalistic son says, I've been slaving away slaving away for you for years and never disobeyed you. And this is at the heart of the reason why we don't change. We don't change because we think we're good enough for God. We compare ourselves to others and say, well, I'm I'm not that bad. 
At least they're not doing what they are doing. Underline it all is the truth that we don't change because we don't see our need to change. We think we're good enough for God and so we don't turn to him. Yet, even to the hardened, legalistic son, even to him, this is the response of the father. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He says that he had to, he had to celebrate the return of his younger son. They just simply had to. He was completely lost and has been found. Because the reality is that the older son had all the privileges of a son the whole time and yet lived like a slave. And even though the older puts on a self-righteous and legalistic front, the father still welcomes him into his house to enjoy his love. Isn't that amazing? Even the hardened legalistic son is welcomed in. Interestingly though, it's not just the older son who has a legalistic response, but even the younger son has a legalistic heart too. As you look in verse 19, when he turns back to the father, he says this, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In other words, what do I need to do to work my way back into your good graces? What penance must I pay to be forgiven by you, God? Amazingly, even in his act of turning back to his father, he still wants to prove himself. He still wants to prove that he in some way has given something to be forgiven. Sinclair Ferguson says that the essence of legalism is rooted not merely in our view of law as such, but in a distorted view of God as the giver of the law. How we respond to God displays who we think he truly is. Is his heart really for me? I know he likes me, but does he really love me? As even if I commit the same sin again and again, will he still receive me? And this causes us to ask ourselves, well, are we responding to sin like the lost son, legalistic son, or like a loved son? As we look back to the response of the younger son, as it says from verse uh, 20 to 24, so he got up, the younger son got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Even before the younger son comes back to the father's house, 
the father, filled with compassion, runs to his son. He embraces him with arms of love and kisses of forgiveness. His father lavishes his love upon him, dressing him in the best robe, putting a ring on his finger and putting fresh shoes on his feet. The father celebrates and invites everyone else to come in and celebrate with him. Because his son was dead and is alive. He was completely lost and has been found. The father runs to the son. An act which in that day would have been considered shameful, disgraceful to run in robes in that day. Yet he runs to him. He runs to him for two reasons. One is that he runs to him because he loves his son so much that he cannot wait to have him in his presence again, to be reconciled to him. And secondly, he runs to him to protect him. Because when the younger son had spent all his father's money, well, that was a disgraceful act. And he disgraced his father in selling all his inheritance and, and burning it all in wild living. And therefore, the, the people in the community in that time would have sought to kill his son at first sight for the disgrace that he brought on his father and his community. But the father pays the price of his son's disgrace. In fact, as you look at the start of chapter 15 of Luke, then we can perhaps gain a clearer picture of who the people are in the parable. The younger son is really the group of sinners and tax collectors who gather around to hear Jesus speak. The older son is the group of Pharisees who mutter against Jesus because he eats with sinners. And the father, we could say, is Jesus because he displays the heart of the father to us. As Jesus is filled with compassion towards us, even even as we sin against him, as he runs to us and bears our disgrace that we do not need to carry it anymore. Because God's beloved Son, our Lord Jesus, bears the public punishment that our sins deserve on the cross. The beloved Son of God bears our sins upon the cross. Now there is no more anger, no more anger towards us, because Christ has received the full wrath of God on the cross Therefore, today in Christ, we only receive the warm, loving welcome of our Father. And this is the amazing love of God that should lead us to turn from our sin and turn to him. John Owen writes in his book, Communion with God, on the love of God, he says this, Believers learn that it was God's will and purpose to love them from everlasting to everlasting in Christ. And the all reason for God to be angry with us and treat us as his enemies has been taken away. It has been taken away. The believer being brought by Christ into the bosom of the Father rests in the full assurance of God's love and of never being separated from that love. The response from us that God the Father looks for in return for his love is love. 
God says to us, my son, give me your heart. Friends, if we only believe the bottomless riches of the love of God, then we would turn to him far more. We would see the rottenness, the filth of our sin, and turn to the Father and receive that forgiveness afresh each day. And what is it that the Lord looks for to receive from us? That we delight in him. That we delight in his presence. As there are times that we should come to him in prayer with confessions, with requests, and with many other things. But our Heavenly Father looks to us as he looks to us, and we draw close to him. He says to us, My son, why have you come to see me today? To which we respond, Father, I've come to see you and to tell you that I love you. But perhaps for some of us this morning that's not true. That we have not experienced the love of God in our Lord Jesus. That we have yet to be forgiven for our sins. Won't you come to him this morning? Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your self-righteous things, your deeds, your goodness. and Turn to him and receive his love. If you are a believer this morning, if you are walking with Jesus, some questions as we think about how we respond to him. Questions for your own heart. What does repentance and faith specifically look like in your responses to heat? In what way do you try to earn God's love when you know you've sinned against him? What is it that you do to try and prove yourself to come back to him? And what is it about God's love that motivates you to repent of sinful responses to the heat in your life? What aspect of his love draws you to him? That stops you from running from him and draws you towards him? Let me leave a a couple of minutes of quiet as we think through these questions, reflect upon them, and then I'll pray. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Heavenly Father, may we see your love in our lives. May we turn to you in repentance and be changed more into the image of your Son. We pray that you would help us to see our sin for what it is, for the rebellion, for the for the filth that it is, and turn to you and receive <clears throat> your forgiveness afresh. We pray that you would help us to see the ways in which we try to prove ourselves to you, that we would lay it all down, and that we would come to you and receive your love to be transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. As we pray in his precious name. Amen. Well, we've had a wonderful reassurance this morning, haven't we, of God's love for us, that the Lord is our salvation.
There will be another opportunity this evening to learn more of that love as we continue in our series um, in Who is Jesus from John's Gospel. And Saab will be preaching this evening on looking at Jesus as the Lamb of God. So do please come and join us for that. Uh, if you would like to talk about anything that's been raised this morning, uh, do please come and have a word with uh, Colin Saab or myself afterwards. If you'd like to pray with somebody, uh, the prayer ministry team will be available in this corner over here. Uh, so let's please leave the, the church for people who want to pray and reflect um, and carry on your conversations over refreshments in the back hall. Great to have that chance to, to do that. Well, let me close now in prayer. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Father, we thank you that we were all once lost, but you came and found us. Even in our darkest and deepest moments, you did not desert us or abandon us. You called us back to yourself. And we thank you for that picture of you running out to receive us with wonderful love and great rejoicing. Even that picture of the legalistic son, Lord, you didn't leave on his own. You went out to convince him to come back in and join the party. Father, we thank you for the rejoicing in heaven there is over a one sinner who repents. We thank you that we will be part of that party one day as we go to be with you in glory. So Lord, help us keep focused on that future that is ours as we put our trust in you and the wonderful inheritance that you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen.